0: You're listening to Her Body
1: on Body.io FM, the women's source for optimal health and lifelong performance with your host, Alex Navarro.
0: Hello everybody, and welcome to another episode of her body brought to you by Body IOFM. I'm your host Alex Navarro. And we have a uh, special guest on the show today. not that every guest is not special. Um, but today especially, somebody uh, actually a topic a, a little bit different than what we might used to he- be hearing on her body. Along the same lines, just we're taking a little bit of a deeper look into some previously discuss- discussed topics, um, I'd like to welcome Alexis Bright to the show. Say hello, Alexis.
1: Hey, how's it going?
0: Good, thanks. I'll give a little little background on uh, who you are and uh, why I've asked you to be on the, so- on the show today. So uh, Alexis has a master's in family therapy and is a licensed therapist, which is the main reason I asked her to be on the show, um, and then the rest of her intro will explain the rest. In her pursuit of licensure, is it licensure?
1: How mm-hmm. I say that. Perfect. Yeah, licensure.
0: Perfect. She spent several years working with sexual assault survivors, former inmates, veterans, and trauma survivors, homeless in transition, and those struggling to make ends meet. Now she works in a women's intensive outpatient treatment program for drug and alcohol addiction. For fun, she hikes, spends time with her family and friends, and recently became an apprentice dog trainer. She's also the co-founder of Bill Conference, and she actually met Kiefer at a Bill Conference back in 2011 or 2012. Um, I actually remember after he had met you and the conversations that you had and uh, how how highly he spoke of you. Oh, thank you. Heard your name over the years many, many times.
1: Yes, and I've heard yours as well, and he speaks very highly of you, too.
0: (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Um, So you've done a lot over the years. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Lots and lots. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I've I've always enjoyed doing more than one thing at once. So even while I was pursuing my marriage and family therapy license, um, I worked in different types of things. Like, for example, Bill Conference was a really fun hobby that happened once a year, and now... Other people have taken on leadership roles there, um, making it happen. And so Bill is a little bit like, um, we call it like Ted's younger, ugly stepbrother. uh, (laughs) Because it's an unconference, we started um, following Ted. So we, and by following, I mean, we would have a conference just after Ted um, in the same city and pretty much invite everybody. And and the unconference feature just means that, it wasn't curated in the same way that TED was. And our goal was to always have the cost of putting a bill together to cost no more than a single TED ticket. Um, Now, we haven't always met that goal. Sometimes we've gone over a little bit, but it's always been super affordable for the people that want to go there. Um, And we've had several several incredible speakers um, that have spoken at TED, um, not necessarily in the health and lifestyle section, but... um, Garrett Lisi, who's a physicist, Aubrey de Grey, uh, who's a longevity expert, um, Cameron Sinclair, who who does open source architecture, um, and the guy, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but the guy that that founded Tom's Shoes has spoken there. Um, nice. Yeah, and then we've also had some really cool themes over the years. We've had sex and space, not together, but... <laughs> in the same in the same weekend um, so that was pretty that was definitely a diverse crowd there I'm sure <laughs> yeah um, so it, it's it's a lot of fun and we're coming up on our 10-year anniversary this year which I think is gonna end up being in San Francisco
0: well that's exciting um, yeah
1: so hopefully we'll see you there
0: yeah that'd be that'd be awesome come and check it out in person
1: yeah I've sure. always
0: wanted to attend one but I haven't yet so good excuse well, I want yeah, to exactly. go far exactly. <laughs> Um, well, I totally understand where you come from on, on you know, sort of taking on multiple things at the same time. And I, I've kind of been that way as well. Um, you know, just kind of having a, a career focus, something I'm passionate about, but also having something that's uh, creative, uh, kind of feeds my creative side mm-hmm. at the same time. So mm-hmm. I kind of get my fix on multiple levels. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. And I yeah. think that as uh, we, we touched upon this a little bit sort of off air, but how uh, as as women especially, and men tend to do it as well, uh, but I definitely find in working with so many women that uh, we're multitaskers by nature. Mm-hmm. We have like to take on a lot of things, um, right. whether we should or need to.
1: <laughs> yes, whether we should or need to is the question that maybe we want to consider examining. Definitely,
0: um. definitely. And, um, you know, Part of the reason why I wanted you to, to join me on the show today, and, and I know that you have, uh, with your extensive background, we could touch on a million different topics that would be very relevant for the audience, um, especially being with your focus on women. But in particular, what I wanted to touch upon today, uh, in regards to the time of the year, the new year just happened, it's a uh, it's resolution time. It's Mm -hmm. something, uh, you know, goal setting is something we talk about a lot on the show and sort Mm -hmm. of, you know, the do's and don'ts of goal setting. And now at this time of year, more than ever, I think it's important to touch upon sort of, you know, why we set the goals that we do, why we might not fulfill those goals, uh, what gets in the way of them, whether it's ourselves, um, which more, more often than not it is, um, right, but, but for <laughs> where those come from, um, you know, and even if it's just becoming aware of them, so that we either don't set a, a similar goal, or we can actually then get out of our way to make that mm-hmm. goal happen. Uh, so I think for the, for the purpose of today, that might be a nice place to start. Okay.
1: Um, yeah, people have been setting... New Year's resolutions um, since at least the time of the Romans, if not earlier, Mm -hmm. um, for various reasons. And um, as you've mentioned, there are definitely popular goals, um, eating more healthy, um, eating more healthfully, losing weight, exercise, uh, getting out of debt, saving money, Mm -hmm. um, getting education, self-improvement, making new friends, uh, praying more for those of for those of the audience members that pray um and and other sorts of things mm-hmm. um i think part of the reason why it's so popular to do it during the new year is because it is a little bit easier to focus on certain things when everybody's doing it it's true um you know it's it's, <laughs> it's kind
0: of the, the thing to do
1: right it's the thing <laughs> to do you know like like thanksgiving is, is another holiday that we can pick on like Why are we only giving thanks once a year? How about let's practice a little bit of gratitude every day? Um, Goal setting isn't something that we have to save for January. Um, And to some degree, we might actually be a little bit more successful if we set fewer goals in January, but set goals, um, fewer goals and smaller goals in January, but review them and make sure that you're working on what you want to be working on more often yes i like Um, that so throughout the year
0: i like that and actually one thing you said when you were when you were listing you know the very common new year's resolutions with which i think is worth touching on is you you followed sort of all of the health and and fitness goals with saving money Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. I, i find that to be just just very fitting because because for most people in starting you know, a new health and fitness journey, they actually end up spending a lot of money.
1: Right. That gym membership they go to for one month. Right. And then they stop going.
0: Or, you know, they invest in supplements or they buy this plan or they see a nutritionist or, you know, whatever. They buy a pack of, you know, classes um, and so much of it ends up going to
1: waste. Yeah. I,
0: it's almost it, counterproductive on both ends.
1: It is. <laughs> I to confess, I just threw out probably ten or twelve bottles of supplements that I haven't opened since two thousand and twelve. Oh
0: my gosh! Well, I'm glad so, you threw them away. They're probably expired by now.
1: Right. <laughs> and I'm not planning on buying many more.
0: That's good. I, I've definitely gone through those those phases myself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep.
1: Um, there was there was a time where I took a lot of supplements, and I think at the time they helped. And now I. Don't care.
0: There you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, we could we can touch more on sort of the. I don't know. Is it, is it a justification on on how when why we spend the money, and then there's also the same one for why we don't care anymore. Hmm. Really mm-hmm. Interesting. Because I, I talk a lot about sort of investing in yourself on, on different levels beyond money. You know, talk about the time investment right. and, and all of that, and um. And I don't know if it's just the word investment that that it's the sort of long-term commitment that mm-hmm. that that gets to people. Uh, but i I feel like it almost scares them off,
1: you know it might. and it might have to do with uh, a lot a lot of what I see in people is there's an underlying fear or belief um, that they aren't good enough mm-hmm. and so when there's a part of you that does want to invest in yourself, and there's a part of you that either believes or is afraid that it might be true that you're not good enough, it it can bring up a kind of conflict. Like, why would you invest in something that's not good enough or can never be good enough? Mm-hmm. Um, so there, so there's that. That may be why people run away um, because you invest in things that are worthwhile. Right. And at the end of the day, if you don't believe you are worthwhile, no one is really going to be able to treat you like you are either. Right.
0: That is very um, true.
1: Probably because, I mean, we teach people how to treat us.
0: Yes. Um, <laughs> based on how we treat ourselves.
1: Based on how we treat ourselves and based on whether or not we address issues or difficulties that come up with others.
0: Mm-hmm. See, we're peeling back the onion. Mm-hmm. I talk about an onion a lot in other mm-hmm. episodes. <laughs> hey, they, onions didn't, are really tasty. They are. <laughs> they can get really spicy towards the middle too. So, uh, mm-hmm. sometimes, uh, you know, as, as interesting and exciting and freeing as it can be to sort of peel back the layers, it can also be a little scary and, um, it's a lot of unknowns or, or knowns, but people that, because they're knowns, they don't want to go there. Right. Um, and actually that's, that's something I, I would like to talk about, maybe not quite yet, but, um, get there.
1: Sounds good. Um, And you also mentioned not caring why people care sometimes and why people don't care. Um, For me, in the case of supplements, what had spurned me to get so many was trying to always be better and always like running at 100% or more if I could. Mm -hmm. Um, And I did that for a while. um, And I've in looking back at my life, I've noticed a pattern of, um, high performance overachievement and then burnout high performance overachievement and then burnout. Mm -hmm. And so me not caring is a little bit of a defense mechanism from not like not wanting to burn out as well as starting to value, um, to value different things more. Um, so Um, an example would be going to the gym. Um, I've also had periods of time where I work out regularly and where I don't work out regularly. And, uh, one of the things that I've come to value is long-term mobility, um, over, uh, over how hard I can hit it on any given day. Mm -hmm. Um, and as I've gotten older, I've become more injury prone for various reasons. And, um, so, my, my goals have shifted from I'm not trying to hit 100% at the gym every day. I'm good if I do 70% at the gym every day um, and like 100% once every two or three months. Right. And what I've noticed in that particular pattern is I don't get injured anymore.
0: Right. Right. You probably feel better most of the I time. I do, <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> because the injury leads to oh, I can't work out, right? Um, and and it's not entirely true that I don't get injured anymore, but I don't get injured to the same degree. And the injuries that I have had, it's it's just old things flaring up, and then I work around them as opposed right. to being totally out of the game. Right.
0: Yes, I, I I am uh very much finding myself to be along the same lines these days. Um, I've done I've done past episodes on this as well, sort of. Uh, which for me was a huge uh, mindset shift as well because exercise Mm -hmm. was my stress relief. So Mm -hmm. in in really being aware of that and then consciously making a decision to change that, it was, okay, not only now do I have to take a step back when I go to the gym, but now I have to find another way to manage stress. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, But it actually ended up being far easier than I anticipated it being, and my body is thanking me now
1: for that. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. Cheers mm-hmm. to long-term mobility. Exactly.
0: Yes. I just want to move well all the time. Right. <laughs> now for forever. And, and after visiting uh, my grandparents recently at their retirement community, I'm like that much more adamant about just, I just want to be able to stand up straight for as long as possible. Mm-hmm. The for little sure. things.
1: The little yeah. things. hmm Yeah. <laughs> Opening jars by myself. Exactly.
0: Yes. <laughs> all the small things.
1: Yeah. Uh, and yeah, this most recent time that I started working out again, it was actually because I got a dog. And I wanted to always be able to carry her if she ever needed it. Oh, um, she's not a small dog. No. <laughs> she's about 50 pounds. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. Um, that's a good goal. It's very, yeah.
0: very realistic. I like it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I, I've always been able to carry her and it just keeps getting easier.
0: That's great. Yeah. Even as she gets bigger.
1: Yep. Yeah. That's she. Great. I don't think she's going to get much bigger. Oh, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> Although my boyfriend wants to get another dog that might end up being bigger than her that that's
0: (laughs) well he can carry that one then yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) i like it (sighs) sort of making those having the making those conscious decisions Mm -hmm. figuring out you know different ways of, of of going about the change uh i like having the realistic approaches and you know these are often conversations that i have with clients who are just starting out Mm-hmm. Um, who, who come to me and they're like, this is what I want. And, you know, we do the initial consultation, the initial discussion on sort of determining what the goals are. And, you know, it's usually me offering uh, a more realistic, approachable outlook to their goal. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, well, this might be what you really want. This might be what sounds good to you. Uh, you know, what if we take it, take the approach this way instead? And, mm-hmm. You know, And While we can still have that huge goal and this is, you know, very specific to women who like want to get on stage eventually like well let's just start with a month of eating Mm -hmm. let's see how that goes we don't need to like jump in to this deep cold pond that you've never seen or been into before and we don't know how deep it is why don't we just like stick a foot in for a month see how it goes
1: right well (laughs) and and i think what people may not realize is that when they make drastic changes all at once like unless it's from like an epiphany or a crisis Mm -hmm. um they're usually giving up things that have helped them cope in the past. And unless they are replacing some of those coping mechanisms with something that's even better for them, it's, it's going to be a struggle and it's going to be much harder to do than they realize. Um, and so um, you had mentioned um, that you were talking to somebody about um, an emotional food journal. Yes. And I know there are a lot of women um, and some men that use food as a coping tool. Big um, time. I, I used to work with a woman um not as a client but uh she used to constantly say food is my friend. If something bad would happen, she'd be like, "Well, at least I've got food. Food mm-hmm. is my friend." <laughs> and um she she weighed a few pounds, um mm-hmm. like probably in the couple hundred. Yeah. Um and until she finds a coping mechanism that would work even better for her like it she's it's it's going to be really difficult to give that one up and when you're making all of the changes at once um for most people it it's going to be really hard to stick to because now they have to say they have to sort of say goodbye to their coping mechanisms and then usually they have nothing
0: it's true and and i actually i I do want to touch upon uh uh, melissa's uh, the client's name Mm-hmm. Um, I want to touch upon sort of a little bit of the stuff that we did together in terms of of the, f- the emotional food journaling, uh, but but what you just said it ju- it makes me think of, I would say gosh like ninety percent of the the women who either want to compete, or I actually get a, get contacted by a lot of women who had competed with other coaches mm-hmm. and now they're in a place of they're like in this distraught place, because they committed hardcore for you know six eight months to prep for a show had given up their coping mechanism of food and now after the show they were at a loss and so they mm-hmm. went right back to the only thing that they knew how to get the comfort from right and they're at a far worse place than they were before they ever started training for the competition right. because they didn't they didn't learn any new tools they didn't have any mm-hmm. any other techniques to work with during that time while they saw the the goal of competing as this is going to be the the thing that, you know, makes me committed,
1: right? That and and you. I wanted
0: oh sorry go ahead yeah well there's just, just that and then at the end of the day yeah. then they're like well what do I do now I don't know what to do right there's, there's never any guidance
1: and and that's why I like the idea of a an emotional f- food journal um, and I'm not sure if you used it this way but when you say it what comes to mind is when you get the impulse to eat write down the feelings that you're having that come up first and name and process those feelings rather than just eating them and stuffing them. Yes.
0: And then also doing the same if they do choose food, Mm -hmm. whether the food is, you know, quote unquote, good or bad.
1: Yeah. Moralizing food is something we can touch on a little bit later.
0: (laughs) (laughs) There's no bad food. No. (laughs) Just it serves us differently depending on our needs. And it's good to be aware of how it serves us. Um, And I think that's that's the tool that's how it's been a helpful tool for the clients mm-hmm. who I've used it with it's more just insightful it's like oh this is why I tend to go to that all the time right. when I'm feeling right. this way and um, in Melissa's case it was great because actually she was she she found that awareness and literally once she acknowledged it and had a conversation with her family about it that was game over mm. she, was, she was literally over it like it's she was surprised at how fast yeah. Two two weeks of her logging her food and writing it down about how she felt. Yeah. And yeah. she was like, Oh, this is what's happening. Consistent pattern every day at this time of the day because of this. And I've acknowledged it. I told my husband I'm stressed out and this is what I do. I don't want to do it anymore. That's great. It was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> like she's even she's calling me like I i something's wrong. I'm 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 over it. I don't understand.
1: <laughs> and that's usually the first step is becoming aware. Mm-hmm. Like, right? They say um they say in AA like Admitting you have a problem is the first step. Yep. Admitting you have a problem, um, understanding where it comes from um, rather than blaming yourself or, or basically crapping all over yourself. Right. Um, being compassionate towards yourself doesn't mean letting yourself off the hook, but it does mean looking at yourself with kindness and understanding for where the problem's coming from, how you're struggling with it. And mm-hmm. how you can stay with yourself through the difficult time. Yes. Um, how often do you find uh, guilt and shame coming up as a reason for people eating or overeating? All the time. Yeah. All that's, the time. That's a huge reason for people. Mm-hmm. Um, for for one of the things that makes it difficult for people to get off of drugs and, um, and there was a, oh, sorry. Inter- go ahead.
0: Well, just what's interesting on that note too is is and. I actually talked about this when I had Melissa on the show is, you know, I might see that, that in a client Mm -hmm. that might be obvious to me, but not to them. Right. And, and it's, you know, I, I get, I feel like I'm in an awkward place sometimes because I want to say that, but that's also not why they hired me. Mm -hmm. And so it's it's kind of a matter of finding ways for me to, you know, ask the right questions, try to dig a little deeper without, you know, being intrusive Right. Um, but getting them to to see that and it's it's a uh, it's harder <laughs> for some than others. Um, but
1: it is. It, but I, th- I think that's the way you're also going to find the more consistent change, because if yeah. you just hand them the answer on a platter to some degree, like sometimes, like, you know, if people hear something we're talking about, something it clicks for them. That could be the root in mm-hmm. inside. But. For some people, if you just tell them this is your problem, this is why you have it, like it's super easy for them to blow you off. Un- until well, they, they actually get de- upset. Yeah,
0: I've had one person get upset. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She was like, "I don't know what you're talking about. That's wrong." That's yeah. Me. I'm like, okay, I'm sorry.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. and 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 pride and denial are huge defenses against guilt and shame. Yes. Um, there was a study. Uh, um, that, that looked at the role of shame and guilt, um, in eating. And one of the things that they found is that people who felt guilty thinking about what they were going to eat, um, ate more than the people who, um, than the people who got a message of self-compassion instead. Um, so what, what it was is there was a, uh, the, I think this study was called Promoting self compassionate Attitudes Towards Eating Among Restrictive and Guilty Eaters, and people were given a bowl of Hershey's Kisses to carry around, um, and half, about half the people got the, a self-compassion message, and about half the people did not get a self-compassion message. Mm-hmm. Um, and the people who, did, who got the self-compassion message only ate about 28 grams of the candy versus the other group that ate 70 grams. Wow. So that's a huge difference.
0: Huge difference.
1: Um, and and one thing that happens for people is they'll feel guilty about oh I shouldn't eat this candy but I, or you know or whatever it is that they're going to eat or do mm-hmm. I shouldn't do this I shouldn't do this uh, but I really want to do it so that also in their minds it builds it up to make it seem better than it really is right um, <laughs> and then when they eat it they feel sometimes they feel good for a minute and then they feel worse after.
0: Um, usually worse,
1: yeah, <laughs> and um, and and it depends on what it is when they feel better, but usually it's worse. Um, and then, but one of the things that people can do to sort of combat that for themselves is being mindful of their feelings and thoughts, which is where something like a, a the food journal that you were talking about comes in. Mm-hmm. Remembering that it's only human, like every single there isn't a person on this planet who hasn't wanted to eat something that that gets in the way of their other goals.
0: Oh, seriously. I yeah. am the first one to say, yes, me. Not as much now because I've done a lot of work around it, but oh man, there were definitely times. I mean, I was sneaking cookies and mm-hmm. lying about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, well, I didn't eat the cookies. I'm not allowed to eat the cookies. Right. I'm training for a show. Right. Somebody else clearly ate the cookies.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and another thing that can help is thinking about what you would, a kind and understanding thing that you would say to a loved one that had a setback.
0: I love this. I've used this on clients before, too. Yeah. I've used it on clients who have children. Actually, it works out really well. Mm -hmm. I'm like, what would you say to your daughter if she was Mm -hmm. in the same position? And actually, what's interesting, more often than not, there's tears involved. Yep. It's really interesting. They're like, wow. Okay.
1: Because it's so much easier to be kind yeah. to their children. And mm-hmm. they they are no less deserving of their own kindness. Agreed. I, I tell that to people all the time. You are no less deserving of your own kindness mm-hmm. and love and attention than your child is.
0: Agreed. Just because we're grownups doesn't mean we know everything.
1: Right. <laughs> and just because we're grownups doesn't mean we have to do everything by ourselves either.
0: That is true. And that's definitely a hard one. Mm-hmm. for a lot of people in general, but I see it a lot in women, mm-hmm. especially the moms. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. My sister recently had a baby and um, about a year ago, so now I'm a new auntie, which is oh, kind of fun. It um, is. I'm
0: one, too. It's very fun.
1: <laughs> I, awesome. How, how old's your niece or nephew?
0: They're older now. They're actually uh, okay. 12 and 13, so actually they're kind of, like, almost too cool now. I'm oh, still okay. cool aunt, but they're, like, cool now, too, so... Yeah. The game is yeah. a little different and they're both yep. bigger than I am. So I can't like pump yeah. them around anymore. So, <laughs> Right.
1: Um, one of the things I've heard from her and some of her friends is, is they all have uh, complaints about how much their husbands are helping or able to help. Mm-hmm. And the conclusion that my sister came to is actually favorable for her husband, which, which was, you know, I may complain about him, but he's actually doing so much more than what the other dads doing oh, that's... and um, you know and and I even observed it uh, at a family gathering where she's basically she's she's just gotten over having food poisoning and she's managing the baby and herself and um, and he's he's doing the social thing he's talking to family he's talking you know and and neither of them are wrong right but it, it's just that's sort of how the divide went yeah and and some of that I think is just cultural bias. Like we, we come like as Americans um, and, and other cultures, we come from a background predominantly where women took care of the home mm-hmm. and men took care of the world outside the home. Yes, that's true. Um, and, and we're moving more in a direction where women do both now. Yep. Um, and men are starting to be pulled towards also doing both. But I think it's a, a little bit of a slower progression. Um, and part of that is because of some of the cultural blocks that men have up. Like men aren't allowed to be vulnerable and sensitive. Right. And you can only be around children if you're vulnerable and sensitive, which is nonsense, of course. Um, <laughs> it helps, but, you know, sometimes it's good for kids to be rough and tumble, too.
0: Absolutely. <clears throat> I completely agree. But it's, it's sort of like now that these women are, are trying to do both it's, it's right. t- they're taking on an, an added task yes, on and top of what they already have been doing.
1: Right. And not asking for help. Right. Um, I've Men aren't mind readers, as it turns out. Damn um, it. I know. I've been right? trying
0: this whole time.
1: <laughs> and, and if you're with a partner who's generally a decent person, if you just talk to them and ask them for help, don't browbeat them into helping you. Nobody wants to be browbeaten into helping you. That's like, true oh, my God, I do this all by myself. Why aren't you helping me? Versus, hey, honey, you know, I'm feeling really stressed out. Like, do you think maybe we could get this done this weekend? Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes that works, sometimes it doesn't. Different couples find different things useful. I know one couple that had a honey-do list. So they just kept a whiteboard
0: mm-hmm.
1: where she would put what she the help she needed on a whiteboard. So she didn't necessarily have to ask. And then he would just do one thing, um, one little thing per day, or like a, like one big thing per week.
0: Oh, I like that.
1: Um, and that way, they they both kind of get their needs met, mm-hmm. and they don't necessarily have to talk about it either.
0: Oh, I really like that. It's mm. a very good idea. And That's it removes
1: nagging from the equation.
0: It's true, because it's like, well, it's right there. Yeah. <laughs> well, then, you know, just like you said, he can kind of choose based off mm-hmm. of what might be be convenient or right. you know, easy to do at the time.
1: Right. And if you don't happen mm-hmm. to remember, well, hey, it's right there. You don't have to ask again.
0: Right. That's true. Oh, I really like yeah. that. I'm so, trying to think of like other ways we could apply that.
1: Yeah. Um, and, well, and then there's also the question of what makes it difficult for a person to ask for help to begin with.
0: Oh, that's like a can of worms right there.
1: Yeah um and it it for some people it can go back to the it's not they don't feel good enough or they mm-hmm. don't feel worthy of help. Yeah. For some people they're they're used to doing things on their own for so long it doesn't even occur to ask
0: it's true anyway
1: for help. Mm-hmm. For some people they have more of an attitude of um well nobody can do this as good as I can do it so I'm not going to bother asking anybody. Um, right.
0: I I had the issue uh, growing up, at least, with I didn't want to be a burden
1: mm-hmm. to
0: my parents. I'm one mm-hmm. of three kids, so there was they yeah. had their hands full, and there was a lot of other issues um, in in the family and in the house. Uh, so I just didn't want to add to that. Right. So I yeah. tended to just kind of do my own thing and take care of myself, and I've carried that since.
1: <laughs> yeah. So how how did you have you gotten to a point where you can realistically look and be like asking for help does not make me a burden.
0: Yes, I still struggle with it. Like I, mm-hmm. I, I have to have a conversation with myself in in prep to ask. Mm-hmm. It also depends on on you know what I'm asking. The, of the, the size of the of a, right. the help. Um, you know, some little things are easier to ask for. Um, but I do find that that starting with a lot of smaller things that don't feel you know, that aren't as hard to ask for help around um, mm-hmm. in finding it that I'm getting the response that I the desired response and you know, the the person who I'm asking is like, Absolutely, of course, like anything you need, um, that sort of thing is is the positive reinforcement is helpful. And I'm mm-hmm. like, Oh, okay, it's not I'm not being a burden. I'm these my requests aren't unreasonable. Um right. you know, I'm I am worthy of of receiving that help.
1: Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that's the, what you said, I I am worthy of receiving help. I think that's important to remember, even if the other person can't help you. Yes. Um, and an example that I like on this is you, you've done the trust falls before, where you're, oh, yeah. where you, yeah, you hold your arms, you lean back. Well, you wouldn't ask somebody with a broken arm or leg to do a trust fall with you, would you? That's true. No. <laughs> right. And and that doesn't mean you're less worthy of being caught. It just means that person is not able to. Mm-hmm. Uh, help you and it's not against you it's for them for them to try to catch you would cause them would actually cause them pain right um and so it's it, if the it, to some degree like particularly around the burden piece um if we ask a person for help we also have to trust them that they're going to say no if it's too much for them
0: hmm Which, funny that you said that, because that's the other side of the work that I've been doing around that. Saying no. Yes, because I'm a people pleaser. Well, because i not wanting to be a burden, I would then take on a lot of responsibility. Right. And trying to be helpful to remove some of the burden. Right. But then that carried over into then saying yes to way too many things and over obligating Mm -hmm. myself. um, And then almost having a little resentment because of it. Yeah. Like why does everybody ask me to do all this stuff? Well, because I always say yes, right,
1: <laughs> right. And and resentment often comes from not nourishing ourselves enough.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep.
1: Um, and um, you you mentioned something else, and it anyway I, you mentioned something else that was interesting, and then I got. Lost and forgot, so oh. <laughs> maybe, maybe we could just delete that part. <laughs> totally fine. <laughs>
0: Loop back back around somehow.
1: Yeah. Um, so so saying so saying no. Yeah, that is that's something that's difficult for women as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of that's cultural, um, and part of it's part of it's just who we are and and how we end up talking to ourselves. Um, the cultural piece is women, and, and I think a lot of women have heard this before, um, but we're raised to, we aren't supposed to hurt other people's feelings, we have to be nice. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I know a lot of women who have gotten into some really bad situations because they were afraid that if they said no, that someone would perceive them as mean. Yes, and. When you're a kid, if you're being told that you're not a good person if you're mean, that can get really, really internalized so that you never stand up for yourself. Um, That's very true. And so saying no is, can really be a gift to yourself. Um, And sometimes that includes saying no to yourself.
0: Yes. (laughs) Which is hard. Just as hard, if not harder sometimes.
1: Um. Other things that make it hard to say no. Um, the feeling of needing to do it all. Mm-hmm. Um, the feeling, the fear of letting people down. Yes. Um, which, which I think all could, yeah,
0: and, and could also be linked to, you know, being liked mm-hmm. or loved.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, some people. Some people will do anything to be loved except love themselves. <laughs> Which
0: is a shame. That's where it starts.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep.
0: But it's something that I see very clearly in a lot of the clients that I work with.
1: Right. Right. And, and sometimes I think when people, if you, say, if you can't say I love myself without flinching, then there's definitely some work to do. Um, and one of the ways to start that work, even if you don't necessarily feel the love for yourself, if at least on an intellectual lo- level, you know that you are worthy of your own love, mm-hmm. you can start changing your behavior. And, and when you start looking at your behaviors, you can say, okay, is this a kind and loving behavior for myself that I'm about to do? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and if the answer is no, maybe don't do it. Right.
0: Right. I, I use a uh, a similar sort of set of let's say rules, but guidelines maybe or or criteria uh, that certain clients need to ask themselves before they work out. Mm-hmm. For those who you know were sort of using the exercise as as punishment or mm-hmm. um, abusing themselves in some way, uh, and uh, the criteria was like if it's if you're not excited to do it. If it, you know, the thought of going to do said activity doesn't excite you um, and you don't feel, and if you don't feel energized to do it, you shouldn't go. Mm -hmm. And then even upon going, if in the moment you're not enjoying it, you should stop. Mm -hmm. And if at the end of the activity you didn't have a good time and you didn't get out of it what you thought, maybe you should just consider that going into the next time when you want to do said activity.
1: Yeah. And and those are some great questions for somebody who's prone to use exercise as self-abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I'm not prone to that. <laughs> if you ask me if I'm looking forward to it, my answer is always going to be no. But if you ask me how I feel after I did it, it's always going to be I'm glad I did it. Yeah. And I, I actually enjoy the benefits. Like I, I notice that I am stronger, I notice that things are easier to do because of what I did earlier in the week. Mm-hmm. Didn't enjoy it in the moment, but I'm definitely enjoying the benefits.
0: There you go. Well, at least you have enough positives at the end Yeah. to keep in mind for future yeah. sort of discussions going into this. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, and I, want, I, I wanted to go back to one thing I said before we got on this tangent of, of if, if it's not a loving behavior, don't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, that is easier said than done to not do something. Um, right. It, it's yes. so do this. Don't do that. And you'll be fine. Yep. Um, and, and if and if things were is if, if things were, I mean, they are that simple, but they are not actually that easy. Agreed. Depending on where you're starting. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and that might take you know a little trial and error.
1: Exactly. And, and and things also um, can change over time. What worked for you one year may not actually work for you the next year, depending on how you've grown and developed.
0: It's true. That is very true. And I think that's, I mean, kind of going back to the exercise just for me and and how I made that shift, that mindset shift, it was, you know, while I've been working on that for a couple of years, every year has been different because my situation's been different Mm -hmm. and sort of being open to just adapting with Mm -hmm. whatever else is changing. Right. Mm -hmm. And being comfortable kind of acknowledging that, oh, there's a change happening. Right. Um, let me step back and, and look at this differently. How, right. how should I approach this now? And, and for some people, uh, you know, it could be quarterly. Hmm. Um, so I think this, that's actually a great thing to do for, uh, you know, a mom who has kids because summers look very different than school years do. And yes. you might have to take in a whole different set of, of, of guidelines or approaches in these uh, summer months when kids are around all the time. Right. hmm
1: yeah,
0: and that mindfulness is uh, where it all starts.
1: Yep. Um, let's see. I know we've our themes so far has sort of I, been things that get in the way of 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 goal setting, as opposed to what helps people with goal setting. Um, so we can keep talking about things that get in the way because I think there are a ton more things, um, and maybe next time talk about things that will help with goal setting. Yeah, I like um, that. But I'll, okay, so we'll keep yeah, talking about that. that. So. Another thing that uh, I think gets in the way of goal setting for people or achieving their goals really um, is competing goals or competing values. And so what I mean by that is, let's say there's a part of you that wants to be lean and fit, and there's a part of you that's really going to enjoy that cookie. <laughs> and somewhere somewhere there's a balance depending on what your goals are. Like maybe if you're doing a competition fitness um, or fitness competition, it, you don't get to enjoy all those cookies until after it's over, or maybe you're doing carb backloading and you get to enjoy those cookies on a regular basis, Mm -hmm. depending on what it is that you're doing. Um, or another competing goal example might be, um, something like,
0: well, here's a good one. I just had a, a client reach out about this where she wanted to lose some body fat, but she wanted mm-hmm. to do like 25 different activities every week. Oh, yeah. That were yeah. completely counterproductive to her goal of fat loss. Right. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. No, that's great. Um, th- there's th- That's actually a really good one. Like if your goal is to lose fat and you need to do a certain amount of things. And, you know, I don't know if the, some of the things that she wanted to do, if they were exercise related or if they're just. All
0: of which, you know, yes. They
1: take yeah, then there are also things that also just take up your time. Like if you um, want to be the world's best ex, doesn't you know it doesn't matter what, that's gonna take quite a lot of time. and you may want to you may have the competing goal of spending time like looking for a significant other or um, getting having a job so you can pay your bills. Or, right. So that yeah. those are things that are going to get in the way of how fast you can become the best at X. Right. Um, not not as many. Not very many people have the goal. I want to be the best at X. So that's not as big of a problem. But another um, another example might be um, I want to save money. Um, okay. So somebody wants to save money. They competing goals might also be I want to look polished. So I Mm -hmm. want to save money and I want to look polished. Depending on what your perspective on looking polished means, that involves spending money. For many women, it involves regular manicures, which you can save money by doing your own, but then that also takes time. Um, It involves makeup, getting your hair done regularly. Mm -hmm.
0: Um, It's definitely an investment of time and money on that
1: one. Right. So figuring out if you have a goal, figuring out what might compete with it or get in the way and cause you to abandon that goal um, can, can be very helpful.
0: Definitely. Or even just, you know, if you do consider the fact that yes, there might be some conflict, but it is something that's important, you, you know, sort of strategizing a way, Mm -hmm. you know, where maybe it doesn't have to happen this soon, you know, if you were to give it more time, which allows you to have more time to kind of see how you can make the two work together, um, Mm -hmm. just, but again, just being open to that.
1: Right, right. Um, and, and when you strategize, another thing that you can do is account for vulnerabilities. Mm-hmm. So that's something um, that a lot of people forget about. So when people are focused, let's say, well, I'm, I keep using diet as an example because this is mostly because this is a show about diet and exercise and whatnot, but it's but it's also something that can be broadened to, to fit other um, things. But... For me, if I don't plan my food and I get hungry, being hungry makes me vulnerable to (laughs) office junk food. Yes. Um, And so if I'm accounting for that vulnerability, I'm going to plan it so that I eat before I get so hungry that I get a case of the effets and just (laughs) go eat (laughs) whatever happens to be in the office that day.
0: Exactly. I like that.
1: which, yeah, so get, getting the efforts, there's, there's an actual research term co- for it called the what the hell effect.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: Um, and I'll try to have a little bit more, more for that on you, f- more on it for you next time. Okay. But it's, it's basically where people sort of, um, they get to a point where it's like, usually it's, I've already screwed up a little mm-hmm. bit. <laughs> so I might as well go whole hog. <laughs> and call it a day. Yep. And, and, and so rather than taking, dipping their toe into a backslide, they just dive right in.
0: <laughs> they got a flat tire. So they're like, let's just, let's just slash the other three while we're yeah. here. Yeah. We might as well. Yeah. We're going to need to get a new one anyway. I'm,
1: I'm never going to go to work again, <laughs>
0: <laughs> but it's so true. I mean, it's, it, it happens around food more yeah. than anything else, at least from what I see. And, um, you know, one, and I've talked about this on on the show before, on other episodes. But you know, one one issue that ca- the carb night diet can bring up in people is that temptation to binge. Mm-hmm. It is sort of you know an opportunity to have more of what you would it normally, and for someone who has, you know, maybe some disordered eating habits from the past, um, or you know, just emotional issues around food in general, that mm-hmm. it's a very slippery slope. For sure. Very slippery slope. And for some, it might not be the best place for them to start. Right. If that's going to be a constant trigger for them. Um, then there, I feel like there's other work that could be done before we have jump, jump right into that.
1: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. How often have you seen that um, come up for some of your clients or some of the other clients that you're aware of on, on carb night? Oh, oh, quite a bit, actually. Yeah. Which is interesting, too, because it'll show
0: up in two different ways. One is that someone, you know, has had that history um, mm-hmm. And and they actually like carb nut for that reason because mm. it allow it, it feeds into mm-hmm. the behavior that they want to have.
1: Right. It's almost like a sanctioned binge.
0: Exactly. Mm-hmm. But it's still a binge, and mm-hmm. it's interesting. You know, I've, even within that, I've seen multiple levels of like sort of controlling that. So right. there's there's still this sense of control around it. Mm-hmm. But they're, you know, the excuse is well, I'm supposed to do it. So,
1: mm-hmm. you know.
0: That's why this is working for me, and actually, for some, it, it's it's kind of working. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll give them that, and you know, they've they've sort of acknowledged that, and they're making it work. Um, you know, whether that's resolved any other issues around it is a different story. Um, but then I've seen other clients where there isn't any control, and it's literally just a feeding frenzy, and mm-hmm. uh, and then you know, there's the question of like, well, why isn't this working? And right. You know, then the, then the conversation changes, and we have to look at well, that's not what the goal of this is, mm-hmm. and now we have to look at other things, you know, other issues that might be coming up that, upon talking about them, might be helpful.
1: Right. Yeah. Or, so it goes or, back. Yeah. Exactly. Sorry. Exactly. Yeah. It goes back to finding better coping mechanisms. Exactly. Or more and, helpful coping.
0: Yes, yeah. and for some, actually, that can be. And this is one approach that I took with my client, Melissa, is she felt like the carb nights kind of were a trigger at the beginning. Mm-hmm. She didn't like it. It was a lot of pressure to a, eat the right things. Um, you know, it was, it was a lot of carbs. And, mm-hmm. and she had a hard time stopping. Mm-hmm. So one, one approach we took for a few weeks, and we always, I always encourage like two to three week increments if you're running, going to run a little experiment. Um, and so for her, we, we gave a run of doing two smaller feeds, more controlled Mm-hmm. And, and we did a, a, a trial where we did it with only savory carbs because she felt like sugar was a trigger, mm-hmm. not just carbs, mm-hmm. but sweets for mm-hmm. her were a trigger. So we're like, OK, well, let's keep it savory for a while. Yeah. Let's investigate that. Let's write about how those things are making us feel, what responses mm-hmm. we're getting from them. So, you know, there's multiple la- ways that we could sort of investigate mm-hmm. what about the foods, not just the carbs, um, but, you know, whether it's sweet or not, what's what it's fulfilling for us.
1: Yeah. Well, and you bring up a really good point, too, about experimentation, mm-hmm. um, because it's not what what helps one person cope is not necessarily a one size fits all for everybody.
0: Oh, yeah. Big time. Not at all. Um, I haven't and, found any two cases that were similar. Yeah. Even though they kind of are bottom
1: line, they're right. not. <laughs> right. Right. Um, and and the willingness to experiment um, is incredibly useful in just figuring out and fine tuning your life and how it's going and and just making it work better for you mm-hmm. yep um, and yeah
0: it's just more t- I, I refer to my toolbox a lot on the show mm-hmm. and uh, every experiment is, is just going to give you another tool and whether it's mm-hmm. a tool that you end up using every day or you use like once in 10 years I'd rather right. have all the tools available to me if and when I need them than right. be in a situation where I'm like crap I don't have a tool for this <laughs> Right. And uh, at the beginning, I mean, especially at the beginning of like sort of my my carbonite car backloading adventure um, journey, it, uh, you know, experimentation was a little bit scary. And now I'm like, ooh, what's next? What else can Mm -hmm. I try out to see, you know, what's what's what it's revealing of, whether it's a physical thing, whether it's an emotional thing, there's there's just so much wrapped up in food
1: Yeah. Well, an experimentation can help stab off boredom too. Oh yeah. Uh,
0: It's really fun.
1: Yeah. Um, and, and even if an experiment doesn't work, you now know, okay, this doesn't work. Exactly. You've narrowed it down that, that one, one more way.
0: Um,
1: a couple other things. I want to get to two more things that I think block people from reaching or achieving their goals. Um, maybe more than a couple. Um, one thing is making goals that are too big. Um, and not breaking them down into small enough pieces.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so sometimes what happens is people will get this really over- this really big goal and it's really cool, but then they start to feel overwhelmed and they don't know how to cope with feeling overwhelmed, so they give up. Mm-hmm. As opposed to, okay, my goal is... Um, let's say somebody had the goal of they wanted to produce a movie having never made a movie before. Um, so... <laughs> Starting out with that as the primary goal, um, that can be really scary. How do you get from point A to point B? So for some people, they might go the route of going to school and Mm -hmm. figuring out how to get to, um, to be a producer that way. For some people, they might try to get a job as a production assistant or start in the bottom at Hollywood. But it's important to figure out, okay, where's your starting point? Where do you, like, what and what is the next step? So rather than trying to to do the entire goal all at once, breaking it down into small steps. And then checking in along the way, because you may also have found at some point that that's not actually what you wanted. It may be that what you wanted was the fame. It's true. Or maybe that what you really wanted was the acknowledgement. Mm
0: -hmm. So true.
1: And if acknowledgement is what you're seeking... There are a lot of other ways to get it.
0: Right. You don't have to make a whole movie.
1: Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and so that's... Yeah, like and that. I'm not saying don't go make the movie, but figure out what your why is. Like, right. what's the why of your goal? Oh, great. Um, and then uh, another thing, confusing wanting for happiness. So mm. a lot of people say to themselves, when I am 125 pounds, I will be happy. Yep. or When I have um, $100,000 in the bank, I will be happy. Or when I'm married, I will be happy.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, And the problem with that is you're not looking at what you have right now. Um, Because what happens to a lot of people is once they get to that place, they find they're not actually happy. Um, They were just driven to get there. Um, and, and so it's, it's, it's a promise of reward fallacy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and I see
0: that a lot. I mean, especially just like what you said, like with using the scale as a, mm-hmm. as a goal is it's a, it's an unreliable source to begin with. And then, right. you know, that number represents a picture that you have in your head. Mm-hmm. That's generally speaking, not what's going to be there. Right. At that number. And and then there's no enjoyment in the process. there's nothing learned in the process Mm-mm. Um, that's a good one
1: yeah um and a and I'll just go with the last one for right now um what one thing that gets in the way of willpower or continuing to stay on our goals is that we expect that we'll be different or better tomorrow somehow um or oh, no. that we'll have more free time um and so how that shows up is um You know, like, let's say you have a set amount of money and you're like, oh, I want to get a new car because it'll help me feel better about myself. And you're basically sort of offloading the cost of those monthly payments to your future self without thinking about how it's impacting, without thinking about how it's going to impact yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, Or another example might be... um, Let's see. Sorry, I'm having trouble coming up with another example. But um,
0: <laughs> I had one, too, and then I lost it.
1: <laughs> um, it just, even just as simple as, oh, I will do that tomorrow or, or going back to what you said, w- what you're saying earlier. I know this isn't exactly a fit, but a lot of times people will agree to do a bunch of different things in the future that they don't. It turns out they don't actually have time for it once if you if they sit down to like budget right. their time, right? Um, because they're expecting, because they don't have to do it now, then they they might have that much more free time to do it later, right? Very true. Um, not taking care of themselves, uh, that's something people often feel like they can do later. Um, mm-hmm. Not saving for retirement is often something people feel like they can do later. Now, sometimes not saving for retirement is simply because the money isn't there. Right. Um that and 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 in today like for some of the people that I've worked with, like that's that's just not a realistic goal. Right. Um
0: Right. But something that, that maybe could be I, I lost the wording of it, but we kinda of talked about a little about it a little bit when we were referencing you sort of the exercise changes that you've made. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and I see this too in people who wanna sort of hit it really, really hard right now. And, right. you know, what well, kind of like what we talked about in, in our goal shifts is like, I just want to be able to, you know, I'm doing movements now so that I can continue to walk around. Right. Without a broken hip when I'm 80. Right. um, Sort yeah. of that time, you know, the investment in my future self.
1: Right. And and those kinds of goals are sometimes hard to maintain because you don't necessarily see immediate results. That's true. Um, it's really hard to connect with your future 80-year-old self mm-hmm. um, and and mobility. Um, Absolutely. But th- there have been a couple of uh, YouTube videos about older people.
0: Who are just who kicking have, ass. Who,
1: yeah. They're they are amazing. Look amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like,
0: I literally, someone tagged me and they're like, this is going to be you. And I was like, probably.
1: Yeah. And, <laughs> and that's that's a way to remember the why is, is mm-hmm. get pictures of, of people who are doing the things you want to be doing.
0: It's true. I mean, I used to vision board it up. Mm -hmm. I was, like, huge into vision boards and and writing down my goals. And, you know, even if it was just a word that I resonated with Mm -hmm. um, at the time, that made me feel good. Uh, That got me excited. Um, Yeah. And then my office is like that. There's just, like, words around and Mm -hmm. and phrases and and things that uh, just make me feel good. Mm -hmm. They're reminders of why I'm doing things. Um, And some of them are, are definitely, like, immediate, you know, right here right now but a lot of them are are more future based yeah I want to continue to be this way Mm -hmm.
1: yeah and and that's I think the great thing about vision boards is they can help you remember why you're doing what you're doing Mm
0: -hmm. definitely because it's easy when especially when things get hard Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and and I think that you know that just in saying that it, it you know I know that we've talked about a lot of things that Potential topics that we could talk about. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that would – this made me think of one, one good one for the future. And I, I have it written down and I just completely lost it, of course, right when I started talking about it.
1: Yeah.
0: I think it's the letting go of yeah. things. So but we'll save that for another episode. Yeah. That could be a whole other thing.
1: In the past when I've done big goal-setting um, – exercises for myself writing down what I need to let go of mm-hmm. in order to let what I want more of in my life was a big deal
0: yeah it's hard I, I reference a backpack a lot mm-hmm. like a weighted backpack and
1: yeah you know, just slowly
0: take things out and there are things you want to put back in you got to make room Mm-hmm. otherwise the backpack is gonna be way too heavy you're not gonna be able to move around at all
1: right mm-hmm.
0: or you will but you're gonna be hunched over like a grandma yeah
1: <laughs> like an unhealthy grandma like an because, unhealthy grandma exactly yeah because it be all children's our hunch it's
0: very true in fact <laughs> actually just well maybe we could finish on that note i was inspired when i went to visit my grandparents because there was uh, one of their very close friends who i've, I've known for years because uh, they've mm-hmm. been friends for years she's 96 and she is just sharp as ever She's one of the few people in the whole place, and there's probably a good 150 people who live there, um, who cruises around without, her, without a walker or a cane. Mm-hmm. She still drives her car. Wow. She, she has these just uh, amazing conversations and stories, and she's just so present with mm-hmm. you. Um, and I'm just like, she, she looks younger than everybody else, and she's one of the oldest people there. And I'm, I'm always just so eager to see her and talk to her every time because I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, what mm-hmm. have you been doing to where you're, you're able to stay this vibrant mm-hmm. for so long? I'm like, I want to be like you when I get older.
1: Yeah. What, did, what was her answer?
0: She just takes care of herself. She's like, I always have. I've, I've known that I've wanted to, um, you know, just I knew I wanted to live a long time. And I wanted to make sure that as long as I lived, I lived well
1: mm-hmm
0: she's not just living and being around hmm or being cared for and I think that was one thing that she said too. she said I want to be able to care for myself mm mm-hmm. um, and, and live the life that I want for as long as I can and I like that that's cool mm-hmm very inspiring well we are right around the hour mark which is perfect timing sounds good so I think this is a good spot to wrap things up and we have plenty of things we could chat, chat about in the future
1: Totally, it was so much fun um, to talk to you today, Alex. Too.
0: You too. Thank you. I like. I'm. There's. I feel like there's like a lot of uh, cans of worms that were open that I want to like mm-hmm. <laughs> jump mm-hmm. into. Um, so I have my list going, and uh, I think the sort of we today we talked about you know things that get in the way of goals, and let's definitely catch up next time and give some some tools that people can use to move forward with goals. Or help set better goals, uh, more reasonable ones, ones that fit for their lifestyle, and we can go from there. Okay. So thanks so much for joining me on the show, and uh, thank you everybody for listening to another episode of Her Body, and we will catch you guys next time. Thanks a lot.
1: Until next time. (laughs) You've been listening to Her Body on Body FM with your host, Alex Navarro.
0: And if you'd like to hear more, log on to body.io.
1: We'll be back next time with more information about women's health and performance.